0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Um, Okay, so we're going to be looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 1 today. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 14, which is somewhat of a departure, at least for you, uh, when I've been in here, because I've been teaching on Romans, uh, which is the study that we've been doing in the teen class, but we we took a brief departure when we went to camp, and uh, I started a series at camp on spiritual growth, and uh, this is kind of a con- just a continuation of that. In fact, some of it will be reviewed for the, the teens that have been in class, but it'll be It'll be new, uh, you know, new material, at least for you. But I started teaching a series on spiritual growth. And we started that series right where uh, I think the Bible starts, spiritual growth. And that is the glory of God. So the message this morning is entitled, For God's Glory. For God's Glory. And we're going to be discussing specifically in that, God's gracious Plan of redemption, so um, as pastor mentioned we 've been talking about election and predestination and and we 're we 've gotten to the point where we 're uh, on to redemption, and uh, we 'll see if we get there today, but for the purpose of this class, I wanted to again we 're Ephesians chapter one verses three through fourteen. I wanted to start at verse three because it 's just a tremendous verse to, to, to start with and it's kind of a summary verse really for the rest of the chapter which gets into more specific uh, spiritual blessings that God gives us um, so before we do that I'll, uh, we do that I'll read the the text to you but I do want to say that believers were chosen by God and they were chosen with a reason and with a purpose and that was to bring glory to God himself that by our lips and our lives and, of course, from our hearts, that we would praise and glorify and honor Him. Right? So, the Bible teaches us in Revelations 4.11 that God is certainly worthy of glory. And the purpose of our lives is to glorify Him. And as a Christian, everything we do should be with this end in mind. To glorify God. So we ought to have like a, a laser beam focus, if you will, with our life. And we need to, we need to uh, uh, look at our life circumspectly, right? And reflect upon our lives at all times. Is, is the priority of our life, are the decisions that we're making right now glorifying God? Are they bringing the most glory to God? Alright, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and, and in my uh, Bible, it actually, uh, there's like a, a title, right, right before these verses, and it says, spiritual blessings in Christ, spiritual blessings in Christ, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Verse 3, Ephesians 1, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And of course, we're on this earth and we want temporal blessings, right? We want physical blessings and so forth. But that's not God's focus for us. It's spiritual blessings. The Bible is on to say here, All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, According as he has chosen us in him. And that's a clear reference to election there. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, and that's predestination, that we should be holy and without blame. That's our purpose, that we would be holy without blame before Him in love, in His love, in and through Christ. Verse 5, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, that's sonship, that's when we receive Christ, and we're... For example, according to John 1.12, and we are received into the family of God as His child. So, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, Jesus Christ being our Redeemer, according to the good pleasure of His will, according to the sovereign will of God. Verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace. So to His praise and His glory wherein he hath made us accepted or acceptable in the beloved or in the beloved. And that's Christ, according to Matthew three seventeen. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So we have redemption through Christ's blood. We have complete forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And hopefully we'll get into that more. Wherein... He hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, and that's the plan of redemption, the gospel that God has made clearly unto us, those who have believed, right? Those who have received by faith the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Bible goes on to say, according to His good pleasure which He has purposed in Himself. And the Bible almost seems to be reminding us that That God is in control, that everything He does is according to His sovereign will, right? Everything He does is according to His good pleasure. Which He hath purposed in Himself, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. After God's own will, not man's will. Amen? Verse 12, that we should should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom also ye trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed, and that's that proof of purchase, that we are his, with that Holy Spirit of promise. I would just refer you to Romans 8.16 as well. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is our proof of purchase. Verse 14, which is the earnest, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life is the the earnest, or the pledge and security, the earnest payment of our future inheritance. The Bible says here, in verse 14, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Until we receive the rest of our inheritance, right? It's the down payment. The Bible goes on to say, unto the praise of his glory. So, verse 6, verse 12, verse 14, we see this this uh, you know, phrase, for lack of a better word, unto the praise of His glory. Okay. Alright, so Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 3 through 14 here, looks at the believer's position and possession in Christ. Or I should say possessions. A person who has trusted Christ for salvation from sin, that is, from the punishment for it, the enslavement to it, which, by the way, is a spiritual desire resulting from the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, a person's heart, is the recipient of abundant spiritual blessing. The Apostle Paul begins this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, expressing to the Ephesian Church, and really it was written to not just the Ephesian Church, but all Gentiles in general. Uh, the abundant, and that is Gentile Christians, I should say, the abundant spiritual blessings we possess positionally in Christ. Paul, led by inspiration of the Spirit, almost seems to be bursting with adoration and thankfulness to God and opens what seems like to me a doxology of praise here in verse 3. So let's look at it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And that word blessed or blessed means to praise, to give thanks, or to give adoration to. In this case, to give glory to God so pray here blessed be our praise be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ and we started singing a song at at the end of the 11 o'clock service when we're closing out the service right that that says this very thing I don't know I, I don't know the name of the psalm but it says I will we sing I will bless the Lord right I will bless the Lord well what is that saying I will praise the Lord right Not that we can confer any um, blessing upon God, right? We can't give God a blessing, but we can praise Him. We can please Him with the way that we live our lives. We can honor Him by the way that we live our lives. So Paul expresses his thanksgiving and praise to the Father for His great love, for His kindness, for His goodness and spiritual blessings to us, the Christian through Christ. Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and you probably recognize this from a psalm too. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. That is, all of our spiritual maladies. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like eagles' wings? And wow, I mean, isn't this just? Uh, I mean, the praise is just pouring right from from David's heart. Bless the Lord, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. How might we bless the Lord, right? How we should praise the Lord. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3. And, and notice the sincerity of heart, too. I mean, I'm not talking about lip service, right? Or even conforming publicly. I'm talking about sincere praise that comes from the heart. I'm talking about even private praise between you and God. Psalm 145, verses 1-3, through David's psalm will praise, again, I will extol Thee, and to extol uh, something, or in this case, to extol the Lord. That's just another word for praise, right? I will extol Thee, I will praise Thee, David is saying. My God, O King, and I will bless Thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless Thee, and I will praise Thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord! and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So David was determined, wasn't he, to praise God. Psalm 138, verses 1-5, through another psalm of David, I will praise thee with my whole heart, before the gods, or before the powers that be, that God has ordained, princes and kings and so forth. Will I praise unto thee? Verse 2, I will worship thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all, thy name. In the day, that's what we're doing now, right? We're magnifying his word. In the day when I cry, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. And that will come to pass. Every knee will bow, we know. Psalm 138, the last verse here, verse 5. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. John MacArthur said this, Nothing is more appropriate for God's people than to bless Him for His great goodness. In all things, whether pain, struggle, Trials, frustration, opposition, or adversity, we are to praise God. Because He is good in the midst of it all, for that we praise and bless Him. So, we took quite a detour from verse 3 there, but going back to it, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. So this is past tense, right? These blessings, these spiritual blessings, we've, have already been given to us, right? We've already experienced them. Those who have been redeemed are already in possession of all these spiritual blessings mentioned in this chapter. So The Bible says, with all spiritual blessings. These blessings are spiritual in nature, Therefore, they are applied to us by the Holy Spirit, whose presence and influence to the believer are the great blessing purchased by Christ for each one of us at our redemption. God has given us everything we need already in Christ. 2 Peter one, three, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, eternal life and godliness, and sanctification, and living for Him, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Goodness is one of the attributes of God's nature. Where does goodness come from? Does it come from the heart of man? It comes from God, right? Why, as believers, do we have any goodness? It's of God, it comes from a God. It's one of God's attributes, one of the attributes of God's nature. So goodness is one of the attributes of God's nature, His divine benignity, and God lacks no goodness. The Lord is the source of all goodness, blessings, and every good thing. The Lord, in fact, is the supreme blesser, bestowing His goodness upon us, especially spiritual blessings, but not strictly spiritual blessings. We ought to bless God. And what I mean by that is we ought to praise God. As I said, from the heart. Regardless, God blesses us because of the goodness of his nature. Isn't God good? God is good. If you're here this morning, hearing the word of God, God is good. If you're a redeemed child of God, God is good. God has saved you from enslavement to your sin. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift, and this the perfect gifts are speaking of spiritual gifts. Those are the perfect gifts. Not the material uh, gifts that we so often crave, right, seek for and desire. But the spiritual gifts, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. The Father and Creator of all creation. The lights here that are, are mentioned are an allusion to the planetary bodies. And specific, most prominently out of all those planetary bodies is the sun. The Bible goes on to say here, with whom is no variableness. There's no change. There's no alteration in the Father. Neither shadow of turning. God's being, God's character, His plans and purposes never change, nor even ever give the appearance of change. The Son, which we kind of, Look to the sun as kind of a, a rock, right? In some ways, the sun is, is always there, right? It's always the same, but yet there is variableness in the sun. The sun in its revolutions change with the season, and in its rising and setting appears to turn away from us, casting a departing shadow. However, God never changes, never leaves us, never casts a departing shadow upon us. Praise God. So in verse 3 here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The believer is a citizen of heaven by the nature of our union with Christ. Through our covenant relationship with Christ, by His grace through faith, we have access to God the Father in heaven and to all spiritual blessings, including heaven itself and all the heavenly places. God, All of God's heavenly dominion. The Father's love for us is in Christ. What is Christ, therefore, is ours. Ephesians 2.6 And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ represents the Christian in heaven already. So we have a dual citizenship, don't we? One of earth and one of heaven. As citizens of God's heavenly dominion, Christians hold all the rights and privileges citizenship grants. Philippians 3.20, For our conversation, or our citizenship, is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What rights and privileges what rights and privileges does the Christian enjoy as a citizen of heaven? And we talked about this with the teenagers. And, you know, as a, as a citizen of the United States, we have certain rights, right? We have certain privileges that as, a, as a Christian. With dual citizenship, not only on earth but in heaven, we have, we have certain privileges, don't we? And they're great privileges. Well, the Bible says that we have the riches, speaking of the richness of our spiritual riches in Christ. Well, what are those? Ephesians 3 eight. unto me, and this is Paul speaking here, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So our riches in Christ are unsearchable They're inexhaustible. And I mentioned to the teens, you know, if you've ever done a Google search, and maybe it's a it's a real general term and you get a you get a ton of hits, right? Maybe you get over four thousand hits. Well, if it were possible to do a Google search on the unsearchable riches of Christ, it would just keep spinning. The results. (laughs) It would just keep spinning. The riches of Christ, as I said, would be inexhaustible. They're inconceivable for for a mortal man, right, to even conceive. They're unimaginable. His deity deity is unsearchable as well as the riches of His grace to His people. and And not only that, but of the glory to come. The riches we receive now and the riches that await us in glory. The Bible says we'll share in the glory of Christ. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. The riches of His grace which are plenteous and abundant. And who is that through? Who is that in? The Bible says by Christ Jesus. The apostle then proceeds to get into specific spiritual blessings after he praises God. In the pursuing verses that God has given us through his amazing plan of redemption. And these verses here in three verses three through fourteen, they're all about God's overarching plan of redemption. And he breaks the apostle Paul breaks it down into specific areas. So I'm just going to read these blessings off to you. We won't have time to cover them all, but on your own study you can go through and you can Seek out these spiritual blessings that God has already given unto us. Verses 4 through 6 speak of the spiritual blessing of election. Verses 7 through 8, the spiritual blessing of redemption. And then I would say, blessing number three, the spiritual blessing of the revelation of God's plan and purpose of redemption, which He reveals, God reveals to us in this. These verses and blessing number four, the spiritual blessing of assurance of our salvation by the possession or indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So let's. Uh, I'm going to just briefly touch on blessing number one, the spiritual blessing of election. So um, I almost hate to do it because I want to move on to the the next blessing, but blessing number one, the spiritual blessing of election. Let's read these verses now. That's verses four through six there in chapter one according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So I really want to sum up these verses, but and to do so I'm going to use a quote by John Gill. We said regarding these verses on predestination and election, the will of God is the rule of all his actions, all of the the Lord's actions, and of all his acts of grace and goodness. And the good pleasure of it appears in the predestination of men to grace and glory. And from hence it is manifest or made known that foreseen faith, holiness, and good works are excluded from being the moving cases of predestinating grace. And that it is wholly to be resolved into the goodwill and pleasure of God. You see, God is to receive all the glory for our salvation. And that includes the entire plan of redemption. It's His plan. It's God's plan, not our plan. Why are we predestined to election? For God's glory. That he would receive all the glory for his incredible, fathomless, which means unsearchable, incomprehensible, magnificent, love, mercy, and grace. The end of election is that we would be to God a people set apart to glorify him. A holy people without blame in his presence in Christ having been conformed to His image. And these are some of the blessings, right? Of receiving the Lord. Being conformed to His image, experiencing His love, being the special objects of His affection and favor, and that our hearts will be once again knit to His at our redemption, having been liberated from the bondage of sin. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3, 10-12, how we're all under the bondage or... Enslavement to sin. Participating in the glory and blessedness of God now and forevermore. So, airship. The blessing of airship. So we have the blessing of conformity to the Lord's image. The blessing of experiencing His presence and the blessing of airship. Experiencing the presence of God now and forever. God is to be greatly praised and magnified in our hearts for His grace and His plan of redemption. All of God's kindness towards us is of His grace and on behalf of Christ. It is to us only as in Christ and for His sake that the grace of God is manifested to us. That we are able to receive the Father's grace. Without Christ as our atonement, without Christ as our Redeemer, we could never receive the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us, made us alive spiritually, regenerated us, quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the Lord. Christ being our our federal head and our representative in heaven verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace exceeding riches of his grace abounding and overflowing to us in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ God has shown the riches of his grace through all ages through Christ and our redemption in Him. Praise God for His amazing grace that has made us beloved in Christ and well-pleasing in His sight. And it reminds me of the song that we sing, right? On I think it's usually the Lord's Supper, Amazing Grace, and that's been around for, I don't know how many hundreds of years now, a long time, right? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. All right. We have a few minutes here, um, so I'm going to take full advantage of it. So I'd like to talk to you about blessing number two in the text, the spiritual blessing of redemption. So let's look at verses 7 through 8. And Christ's merits in his life and his death is what secured our redemption and salvation. Christ's merits were the means the Father used to secure our election. Similar to how prayer right, is the means of the vehicle God uses to answer our prayers. So, Christ's merits his life of obedience, his death on the cross, burial and resurrection is what the Father used to secure our election. That the Father had determined before all creation. So it was the Father's love that was the cause, right, the first cause of our election... And Christ's merits that were the surety or securing of it. Ephesians one seven. In whom? That is in Christ we have redemption. That word redemption means ransom. And in this case, a ransom paid in full. That word ransom also means deliverance, salvation. Deliverance from a deep or severe debt. The payment of a required price to release one from an obligation. In Christ, our ransom, our deliverance from our bondage and slavery to sin, our captivity to our sin, and the penalty we were deserving of has been paid in full. The price and penalty for sin against God is spiritual death and hell. Christ's death, the Bible tells us, was the propitiation For the debt we owed and the debt we deserved. Propitiation means atoning, sacrifice, and satisfaction for our offense. See, it was Christ and only Christ that did and that could satisfy the wrath of God that we deserved, each one of us, for our sins against Him. Christ is the author of our redemption and was called to be the Redeemer of His people from all eternity, from before time. In the covenant of redemption with the Father, in the fullness of time, according to the Father's will, Christ was sent to procure the redemption of the elect. And the Bible goes on to say here in verse 7, In whom we have redemption through His blood. And this speaks to how the payment was made in full. Through Christ's obedience, suffering and death, being the sinless Son of God, though our redemption was at a great cost to Christ, it was free to all of us and freely given to all of Christ's people by His grace through faith. Right? Ephesians 2 8 through 9. By His grace through faith. And of course, the Bible's on to say there, what? Not of works, right? Lest any man should boast. First Peter 1 Peter 1:18 through 19. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, in other words, perishable things, things that are destructible and not eternal. And this causes us to ask the question, right? How much is a soul worth? What is the worth of a soul? A price far more valuable than any amount of silver or gold has been paid for the redemption of our soul. The Bible goes on to say here in verse 18, From your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, the believing Jews were redeemed from their profitless, from their fruitless practices and rites of Judaism. The ceremonial law and the traditions of the elders were profitless, for righteousness and salvation. And still in first Peter one going on to verse nineteen here, but with the precious blood of Christ, with Christ's blood or death as a sacrifice, being extremely valuable in effecting our redemption, and accomplishing what silver and gold and none other could do. What in existence? could be offered, or could have been offered, of more value than the life of the Son of God. I don't know it. (laughs) I don't know it. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, being without corruption, not tainted by sin, innocent, pure, and perfect, And uh, I was reminded of the blood of Christ being spilt for us. I was reminded of that song that we have started singing recently, He Will Hold Me Fast, and the third, the third verse there. And I just want to read the, the words to you, and it was originally written by Ada Habershon, and um, the music was added by Robert Harkness, um, at least originally. But the third stanza in that song, Speaks to the the blood of Christ. For my life He bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with Him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned aside when He comes at last. Powerful, powerful words which go right to this verse here in verse 7 in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness to sin, the forgiveness of sins the blessing of redemption the complete and total forgiveness by God of our sins past present future complete forgiveness of the unpayable debt we owe to God for our sins. Psalm 103.12 As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. And John MacArthur commented on this verse here in Psalm 103.12 To ancient Israel, the distance from east to west, the depths of the sea represented infinity. God's forgiveness is infinite. It takes away our trespasses to the farthest reaches of eternal infinity. And I do want to close here. I see Brother Dalton. It's not quite time. I have two minutes. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. By God the Father's unmerited favor and nothing else which was granted to us in Christ. God's grace is boundless. It's infinite. And, of course, we can't separate God's grace from God. God's grace is an attribute of Him. The Father, out of the richness of His grace, determined a ransom price for us and freely gave us His beloved Son as the ransom for many, for all the left, right? Because of Christ's love for us, He obediently yielded to the Father, even to the death of the cross. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your wonderful plan of redemption. And in it, we didn't get to verse 8, but in it you reveal to us your wisdom in devising this whole plan. But most of all, Lord, we see your love, we see your mercy, and we see your grace. And we thank you that we've received that grace, that we've received Your love, that we know You in an intimate manner, Lord. And Lord, we know that the purpose of our life is to glorify You. And we just pray that You would help us to do that. Help us to keep our priorities straight, that we would give You all the glory that we can to the praise and glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronit Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, ronard park california 94928 additionally you may visit us on the world wide web at www.bebaptist.org